Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. So we need to not walk behind God. We want to walk with God. I don't want to walk ahead of Him, but I want to walk with Him. I don't want to walk behind and go, oh, I'm too afraid of that. As you know, shortly, life is to be lived by faith. Just go for it. I want to challenge you. Sometimes we get in such a little rut in our life. We drive to work the same place. We have exact, and I, I know some of you eat exactly the same food, but don't, don't take it. I got to have potatoes and meat, or I got to have tacos on Monday, and I got to have whatever. It's like a school menu. Give me a break. It's a struggle for believers and non-believers alike to see injustice in the world. We see people getting wealthy at the expense of others, folks treating people unkindly with no consequences. It may lead a person to wonder, why doesn't God intervene? Where's the justice? It's especially difficult when you're making decisions according to the leading from the Lord. You still have hardships. Trust in God. His wisdom is far greater than our understanding of it. He is so gracious, knowing the depraved actions of people and still giving them time to repent of that sin. Today, we'll hear of that grace in action as we look at the life of one man. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of First Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1 for today's study. take a look. We'll begin at chapter 1, verse 1. Just go a few verses here and then make some comments. Now this is from verses 1 through 27, leads you from Adam to Abraham. We have Adam and Seth and Enosh and Kenan and Mahalel and Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, and the sons of Noah, some of you remember this, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These are the names of men about whom we've read. If you go back to the first eight chapters of Genesis, you'll see that. Every one of those names is important to God. They're all God's children. Every person plays a role in history, whether great or small. Every person either brings glory or dishonor to God, as you do also. Now, It's interesting to me as we go through this list, and I I challenge you just to kind of look at it and see in the incredible number of names that are there. I want to remind you tonight that when Ezra wrote these down through the Holy Spirit, God didn't have to go to the local courthouse and do a background check to figure out who these people were. Now, the Mormons, or you might, like to go through your ancestral tree, and you get on the Internet, and you can hunt all day long for it. God just said, you ready to write, Ezra? Here we go. Why? Because he knew them all. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So we look at these names and go, who is that? God knows everything about them, as he does you tonight. That's the kind of God we serve. We don't serve a God that's aloof. We serve a God that loves individuals. Nothing is hidden from him. In Isaiah 43, it says this, 
But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And from Matthew, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very number, very hairs of your head are all numbered. God has an easier time with some of you than others. <laughs> so, so, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Is God still interested in mankind? Yes. Is God still interested in mankind, even though mankind, as we'll see here from Adam to Abraham, has blown it time and time and time and time and time again? Yes, I like that. Because God is still interested in us when we blow it. He loves his creation. He loved Adam and Eve when they blew it in the garden. He loved Abraham, we'll see tonight, and he sins. He loved the children of Israel. He loved them as they head into captivity. He brings them back. He still loves them. And he loves us. When we get to Galatians 6, we'll find this. Those that are spiritual restore the one who has fallen. That's God's goal. He loves to restore. He loves to put marriages back together. He loves to put lives back together. Don't forget that as we go through. We know that God does not change. Now look back at verse 4. I think it's interesting you see this. Look at the name Shem. This is where the Jews would come from, the Semites. And then the Messiah would obviously come from them. So this goes way back and gives us a little bit of picture, way, way, way back of how we'll start this. Now, let's head on down from the line of Shem. We come down to Abram in verse 27. And Abram, 28, the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. Now, you remember the two sons of Abraham, and you see them there. From Isaac, we have the Jews. From Ishmael, we have Sodom, Hussein, and the Arabs. Look how long that goes back. You remember the story? God promised Abraham a son, but there was no son. Abraham decided, I'll take things into my own hands with a little help from his wife. Abraham fathered a child through the servant girl, Hagar. Child's name, Ishmael. As a result of that sin, we're studying it today because Abraham moved ahead of God. Don't move ahead of God. God's timing is always perfect. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. Abraham didn't keep in step with the Spirit. He decided his plan was better than God's, and he moved ahead. Now, God's plan was perfect, always had been, including his timing. So maybe some of you are challenged to just move ahead. That old sin nature's in us. It rises its head up. And pretty soon, I'm off doing my own thing independent from God. And I look back and go, Where, how did I get here? And as you see, it has great disaster from our lives. Now, in First Chronicles verse 34... We say Abraham was the father of Isaac. The sons of Isaac, Esau, and Israel. 
Remember that Israel was initially called Jacob, that old heel catcher, that deceiver. Jacob deceived his twin brother Esau, remember? And he got the birthright for a bowl of bean chili or whatever. Traded it. Then he fraudulently obtained his father's blessing instead of Esau. Over the years, God continued to deal with Jacob as he got what he deserved. Remember? He ran into a deceitful father-in-law, which is just as good as deceit as he was. And he ended up having to work 14 years for both of his wives. The first one, sad eyes or whatever. You remember? Pretty tough. In the dark, still pretty tough. And then he finally ended up with Rachel. Jacob, God knew how to get even. Then remember, Jacob ended wrestling with God. God finally, in his grace, changed his name to Israel, which means governed by God. Governed by God. God can change anyone and give him or her a new start. Let me just ask you, if you think about Jacob and all the stuff he did, stole, deceitful, right down through the years, would you have given Jacob another start? Come on, be honest. You know you wouldn't. In fact, I was listening to somebody today talking about the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came home, the father said, get that fatted lamb, let's have dinner, baby. We're going to have a party. Now, I would have said, well, maybe six months. Let's see if you're really true and honest here. Isn't God amazing? Here he is, this old heel catcher, and he changes his name. That challenges me. That means that we shouldn't give up hope. Listen, those of you that are here tonight, Your husband or wife will not serve God. Don't give up. You have a child, a daughter-in-law, son-in-law, a neighbor, co-worker. You witnessed and shared with them. They will not come to God. Don't give up. God can change their character. He can change their life. You just keep praying. You see, God's more interested in them changing than you and I are. So don't give up hope. When I see Jacob, when I see that, it just challenges me. Reminds me that God is in the business of changing lives. Don't sell God short. When you go home and have your journaling and you write your prayer list, put a name down, put beside it, God, you can change their character like you did Jacob's. I know it's the same God. They're probably not as bad as Jacob was. He can do it. You see, we have to have hope. We have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we just write people off. Don't write them off. For sure, right now, you could name some people that maybe you've gotten discouraged about. Don't do it. God's speaking to you tonight. Keep praying for them. Now, from Jacob's 12 sons, you know, come the nation of Israel. Esau's descendants become the nation of Edom, a constant enemy of Israel. Esau's grandson, a name that you're familiar with, Amalek, The type of the flesh that got out of our box this morning. Where do they come from? From that sin nature. The one that doesn't please God. Let's head to 1 Chronicles chapter 2. Now, in this chapter, all the way through chapter 8, we have all the tribes of Israel, their sons listed. You can see there in verse 1 and 2, the different uh, tribes listed in Israel, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishakar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Those are the 12 tribes 
of Israel. And then, right after those 12 tribes, as I told you before, the writer is going to focus on only one tribe. Because basically from that tribe, Jesus the Messiah is going to come. So what tribe was that? Be Judah. Well, look down in verse 3. The sons of Judah. And now we see the sons, Ir, Onan, and Shelah. These three were born to him by a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Don Shula. No, I mean Shula. Air, look at this next. This was amazing to me. How'd you like to have this? This would be your tombstone in the Bible. Look what it says. Air, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the Lord's sight, so the Lord put him to death. Wouldn't that be a nice one-liner? It's amazing. Stop and think tonight. If your life up to this point could be put in a one-liner, what would it be? Hopefully not that. You see, we're leaving a legend to our children, to our neighbors, to our friends, and we represent God. You'll see later that one of the guys is very concerned because God's name is being misrepresented. What would, what would be on your tombstone tonight if you passed away? What would people look as they look at you and say? Look what they hear. This is God writing. Ere Judas firstborn was wicked in the Lord's sight. So that he wouldn't have more children or whatever, just put him to death. Ended the line. I think it's important, we talked earlier about getting ahead of God's will. But I think there's something else that's just as important. We don't want to get behind God's will. And I just challenge myself and you also. Don't let this be on your tombstone. Died at 23, buried at 70. You see, we can go through life just like that. 47 years of nothing. Because they died, they just gave up hope, there was no faith, there was no life. We're to put aside the flesh and be alive to God. I want to challenge you. If you're following, if you're in step with God... There'll be some liveliness in your step. There'll be some joy. Those of you that are over 50, for most of you, myself included, we have less years to live than we've been born. And every year, the number gets worse all the way through. See, life is short. So we need to not walk behind God. We want to walk with God. I don't want to walk ahead of him, but I want to walk with him. I don't want to walk behind and go, oh, I'm too afraid of that. As you know, shortly, life is to be lived by faith. Just go for it. I want to challenge you. Sometimes we get in such a little rut in our life. We drive to work the same place. We have exact, and I, I know some of you eat exactly the same food, but don't, don't take it. I got to have potatoes and meat, or I got to have tacos on Monday, and I got to have whatever. It's like a school menu. Give me a break. Who wants a little fish stick that you had in school, you know, with that scoop of whatever it was? Man, come on, have some life. I want to challenge you tomorrow. Take a different way to work. You say, well, that's not my personality. Well, make it your personality. Don't be a Christian zombie. And I'm challenging you tonight. Don't die where you're at. If God says for you, you need to head out and do this, go for it. Get excited. For you to know, my nature is very conservative. I'm Swiss. That's my genealogy. Everything's neat, little organized thing. Perfect. Yes, my wife's got to be just like this and clean and whatever. 
But he's growing people, so you just grow. Remember what Solomon said, if there's a mess in the barn, it means it's alive. (laughs) That's right. That's biblical. If there isn't, there's no life in the barn. So it's exciting. I want to challenge you tonight, seriously. Some of you are in a rut. A rut is simply a grave with both ends knocked out. And it's a shame. Life is to be lived. It's going to be exciting when we get to heaven. So enjoy it now. Venture out. You know, we laugh at Peter. Peter's the only one of the disciples that walked on water. The rest are in the boat going, they couldn't say it. At least he walked. I told my wife, if the lake at our house gets any lower, I'm going to walk across the lake. That ought to challenge a neighborhood. All right, now. <laughs> Look at verse 7. We're going to have to go through this quickly. I don't know how I got off on that, but that's all right anyway. Praise God. Aren't you enjoying the Old Testament? See there? Verse 7. The son of Carmri, Achar, who brought trouble on Israel by violating the ban on taking devoted things. Achar is also known as Achan. So let's turn back to the book of Joshua just for a moment. Let's review this story. Great story. This is one is very detailed, Joshua chapter 7. Now remember, Israel had just had their first great victory when they came over the Jordan into the promised land. And they defeated them at Jericho. Joshua chapter 7, verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is near beth Aven, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, well, not all the people, not all our army will have to go up against Ai. Just send two or 3,000 men to take it and do not be weary at all. Do not weary at all the people for only a few men are there. In other words, they had this huge victory at Jericho. It's a greatly walled city and really lots of enemy. They said, man, that was a piece of cake for us. This is a pretty little small area. Kind of like Mims. We can just go right over, take care of it. There won't be any problem. Look at verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. This was their first major defeat. So when the people came back and said, they said, how'd it go? Man, we lost 36. We were totally wiped out. Their faith just, it was like, you know, you get a bad medical report, it just drains from you. That's what happened. A leader was always to show this, and we see in verse 6, Then Joshua, the leader, tore his clothes, fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, Sovereign Lord, why did you, and look who he's, who he's blaming here. Why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. There's a great leader for you, isn't it? One defeat. God, what's wrong with you? It's your fault. Verse 8. Oh Lord, what can I say now, now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. This was a good part of Joshua's prayer. And they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? So he was concerned that the people, certainly you knew when they came into Israel and the land, the people went, man, these are the ones that serve this God that's real. Now he's saying, they're going to make fun of you, God. And the Lord said to Joshua, stand up 
What are you doing down in your face? In other words, here comes now the reason for the defeat. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things, and they have stolen, they have lied, and they have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. He goes on and basically says what? They've been defeated, they've been violated, and, and they've taken these things and actually put them and mixed them with their own as to kind of hide what they've done. So God gives the whole story, and we know the next day he told Joshua basically this. Let's take a look at it. He says to Joshua, you look at those verses, you can read more detail later. He says to Joshua this, assemble all of Israel tomorrow. We're going to determine who the offender is, and we're going to go tribe by tribe and person by person. We're going to go all the way through, and we're going to find out who is responsible for this. Now, did God know who it was already? Sure. Well, why is he doing this? He's doing this for a number of reasons. Number one, he wants the people to see how horrible sin is. So he's going to drag this thing out. And secondly, what you're going to see is he's giving Achan and his family time to repent. Have the whole day. Now, if you're the one guilty, are you having a good day? As they go through all the people, you're not having a good day. Just like we are, when we're caught in our sin, it's a miserable feeling. This family's feeling that way. If Achan would responded, there are many Bible commentators that believe just like David, God would have forgiven the sin. If he'd have come up and said, it's me, I did it. But he didn't. So the rest of the story tells us by identification and through the process of elimination. By the way, God didn't have to use like CSI techniques. God didn't have to go through that and say, well, let's see who the DNA was on this stuff. He knew. There's nothing hidden from God. Now, back in Joshua 6, you, you don't have to turn there tonight, I'll read it. Here's what God had said in the law to the children of Israel. He said this, Keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. So he'd already told the people, when you go, you can't do that. What does Achan do? He does it. He'd give them instructions, the guidelines for the spoils of the battle and all those things. So the penalty of sin... Here, 36 men die. The whole nation of Israel is defeated. They're now without the help of God. All because of what? One man sinning. See, sin affects not only our family. can affect our church. can affect our community. can affect the name of God. Sin is serious. Now, Achan, he took the best for himself. And God judged him for it. We must be very careful as Christians that we give our best to the Lord, the first fruits of our time, of our money, of our talents. Don't leave here tonight and say, well, you mean i got to give to God? No, you don't have to give to God. And if you feel you have to, you've heard me say it many, many, don't give of your time or talents or anything. But I don't have to say it to this group because you guys know how to give and you give lovingly. You do a great job. Make sure numbers comes to mind when I read this. It says this, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. We were reminded today in the recounting of the many people's lives in Scripture of just how drastically God can change lives. Jacob was a mess, but God never let him go. Pastor Mark challenged us to pray for someone specifically that we feel is resistant to change and let God work. He also gave us a warning not to get behind God, 
letting ourselves lose our joy, hope, and faith. We must put aside the flesh and be alive to God. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Join us next time on Lessons for Living when we'll hear about the life of a specific man in the Bible one whose name may not be immediately recognizable, but whose life can serve as a lesson for all of us. There are many names listed in the Bible, and although we may not know anything other than their names, we can be sure that each is there for a reason. As we go through, we'll see that the ultimate reason is one, Jesus. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of First Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living.